Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all righty we are back it is the unofficial 40 right here on soonerscoop.com podcasts where the entire crew has finally joined uh including one josh McQuistian. Who apparently has a new router uh, because he could not join us last week. Which, Josh, I blame you for the post on the message board that proclaimed that last week's pod was as, uh, was as good an effort as OU against Kansas. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who I accepted response. Like, I don't know whose role I was playing in that story, but that's fair. I mean, that it, it was you did um, not show up. Yeah, I did. I mean, at least OU showed up in Lawrence, Kansas. I didn't even have. The balls to show up. I, I completely know. Or the internet speed. Yes. I mean, you know, internet balls. I mean, whatever you want to call it out there, the anger is fair and righteous. Well, you have two weeks of pent up uh, hostilities, I guess, if you want to call it that. I don't know what you really want to get into today or what you, you know, you've missed out on. I think the one thing we need to start out with is your soccer dad life because. Uh, there's a story that you've been threatening to share that you have you have not been able to share because either one you've forgotten or two we haven't given you the opportunity it has something to do with a fat kid apparently. Uh, yeah, um, and this is not a fat kid shaming story. I, I want to be clear, but I, I also we'll want to say judge of that. Sure, fair enough. This is um, I literally was part of a seven and under. Little League uh, penalty kick scenario last week, and it's only the second best thing I've seen in Little League soccer over the last few weeks. So that that tells you this is fantastic. This is just a great thing. So because for people we, that don't know, you are a soccer psycho. Yes, yes. Like Carrie has had before, to watch World Cup games with me way yeah. before that became a thing with uh, American males to you know Premier League and all that stuff. Like you were head over heels in love with soccer before it became a mainstream thing. That That is owed to my older brother. He was a legitimately good soccer player and was into it. And I, you know, I think people people saw Luke Hass's tweet this week. I, I'm a football body guy, okay? I just am. But I can still like soccer. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, we, we won't waste too much time because this, this sure is a little league a soccer story. couch body type of guy these uh, days? These days, that, that's okay. fair. The couch body, yeah, that's fair. That hurts, but that's fair. And honestly, um, Carrie, I, I want to thank the public and yourself for a picture you sent out. <laughs> this uh, is when I was No, when I was up there checking out the office and you sent that picture out, somebody said like something about cankles. And I was like, do I have f***ing cankles? And I looked, and I kind of looked, and I'm like, well, they do look kind of bad. And I said something to Tiffany, and she goes, 
yeah, they are kind of swollen. And I was like, well, all right. And I, I mean, like, I, I'm not the healthiest guy on the planet, but I get to the gym. Like, I was like, I shouldn't have cankles. So she gets to talking to a few people. I go see a cardiologist. Long story short, I've got some edema in my legs that I had no idea of. Didn't know what edema was before this all started. So I, I was like, okay, I found a legitimate health concern by people trolling me on Twitter. So that was, uh, that was an exciting little storyline. I had to go get like a, a cardiogram, like this whole thing. Like we were concerned I had real heart issues, but it just turns out I've got some edema. So anyway, um, wow, this is really going longer than I intended. Um, <laughs> Anyway, back to the fat soccer kid story. So a couple of weeks ago, we were playing a game against the team, and we're watching, and they've got this goalkeeper, and he's really good. I mean, and, but he's, I mean, he's, he's a healthy kid. I was a big kid. No shame here. Uh, but he's really good. And like, he's got like keeper gloves. He's super serious. Like, this is seven and under soccer. They're, like, you're lucky if they're looking at the ball most of the time. So, um, but he's really good and we can't score on him. We can't score on him. And one of the moms of one of Laney's friends on the team goes, man, they like, they really need to switch him out. Cause most teams like each quarter, they'll, they'll rotate everybody and everybody changes positions or whoever's on the bench comes on. You know, it's very, you know, everybody gets a, a, a trophy kind of thing. So, um, this kid doesn't come out though for the first three quarters and I keep telling a couple of the moms, I'm like, I don't think you want this. I don't, I think you think you want him to come play. I don't think you do. And so the fourth quarter, we're up one another. We finally score on him and they put him out in the field. This little dude is the baddest mother on the planet. And he's running around everybody like he's, fa- like he's fast and he's big and he's like bullying people like just. <laughs> Fucking people over. He's in it. Like, this kid's going to win. He hits. I don't know that any of the four of us could kick a soccer ball this hard and damn near kills our goalkeeper. And he scores. Like, he goes, like, top corner in the goal. Like, everybody else, like, it dribbles into the goal or the goalkeeper just misses the ball. Like, this one. He, like, bends I, it in and everything. Yes. Like, it, it, like, it had spin on it. Like, it was impressive. And then he literally comes back and now, okay, here, here's where the healthy thing starts to happen. He gets a little tired. He starts getting a little gassed and like all of a sudden our team starts having a little momentum. They start getting going. He's just exhausted. The big dude cannot run. They finally get him like a ball right in the middle of the goal and he just pounds another one in. So they're up two one. Within 2.2 seconds, that coach has moved him back to goalie. We don't come near the goal ever again. This dude was, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a brick, but he is the brickiest soccer player I've ever seen. It was, it was just impressive because they, everybody on our team was like, well, if we just get him out of goal, we're going to win. And I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I think it's my, it's, it's the scouting background. I know an athlete when I see him, even when they're big and they're husky, I knew that that dude could play and, he kicked our butt, whether it was a goalkeeper or as a striker. He he wore us out. So you know, cheers to the the chunky soccer? soccer kid. Yes, we have boys and girls. It is a. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say point of privilege. I, I we just need to make sure that we're using the right pronouns here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, we have boys and girls. Our 
our three best players, one is a girl, two are boys. Um, Either that I, or Josh it, is so bored he's out scouting seventh grade boy soccer with his daughters. <laughs> oh, Around no. One field, one field over, there is flag football going on, and I keep joking with Tiffany. It's like, I got to go over there and check it out, see, who, you know, see who's got the, got the goods. So, uh, yeah, that is, that's the sad reality of my life. That was eight minutes of Josh just to start a pod. That's never happened before. Welcome back. Okay. Talk your damn basketball. They played a game. Let's hear all about it. <laughs> you should. Uh, we should start putting numbers on uh, on uh, Laney and Layla soccer games, like hitting overs and you know, make nice. it interesting for the uh, for the people on the board. Start some live streaming. Yeah, maybe the, a couple live streams. I'd start gambling a little bit on uh, Little League Soccer. I hear that's a pretty uh, lucrative business these days. I considered Center's it. looking for entrepreneurs. It's Entrepreneur Week in Oklahoma. <laughs> Last week with the, with the penalty kick scenario, like, I, I thought the game was just over. Like, I knew it was the playoffs, but I was like, oh, they'll have some sort of weird tiebreaker and the game will just be over because everybody's on a schedule like you got to get off the field by x you know to get to the next game whatever trophy societies Uh, yeah i i i I mean i thought that's where we were and they're like five minutes of extra time and we're like okay and so we play that and then we're like well still nothing's been decided and again nothing occurs to me and then i see the referee like setting up where the penalty kicks are going to happen i'm like oh my god this is a mate like I, it lost all interest for me that my child was involved. I just wanted to watch a bunch of little kids do penalty kicks. And it went exactly as you would think. Literally no one could score. It was, I, I figured think that was the case. We went 15 to 20 straight shots with no one scoring. Finally, they moved the spot up and this one girl just drilled it. And that was, we, we lost. We lost on penalty kicks. It's a tough way to go down. But as a soccer fan, I respect the uh, the spirit of the rules. You say we. Are you the coach? Uh, <clears throat> no, not per se. Largely because I wouldn't do well in a seven-year-old scenario. Like my, we took off late in that game during regulation. Took off like two of our best players and put on other players. One of which was my child. And I was like, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. No way. I'm leaving those kids out there until they drop. Um, and that that's and I and I told the coach, I was like, this is why you're better for this spot than I because he's a friend of mine. And I was like, you're better for this role than I am because I would have let those kids go, and everybody else can just wait. We're trying to get a win here. This sounds like a scenario. If they would have won, you would have taken complete credit and said you are on the coaching staff. But now you're separating <laughs> since they uh, came up short in the playoffs. I help because there's literally no one else. It's like one coach for like 10 seven-year-olds that pay very limited attention. So <laughs> like, I'm, like I'll go shag balls for them, you know, like while they're kicking or whatever. Like I do what I can, but I absolutely have no coaching role, which is f- absolutely for the best. Eddie, I fully expect your rundown to the start of the show to be Josh, soccer mom. <laughs> it's all in Spanish is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> guys me out there it's just it's just rodney dangerfield in what was it lady ladybugs i, I just keep saying i've got that. a lot of balls over and over again like that's all i say that's my whole line it's my whole stick didn't he have like a nephew that was a boy that pretended to be a girl to make them good was it i what like his net like he was was he dating a woman he might have been and like it was yeah. his, it was the woman's son or something like 
I remember because it was that kid that was in like. I, I've even seen. Lady I think Bus. that kid is dead yeah. now, isn't he? Is he? Because he was on that uh, kind of Star Trek underwater series. Yeah, sure oh. enough, he was on Flight ninety three. Shut up, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus God. Just shut. <laughs> I mean, I can I can see through your bullshit. I mean, it's just. <laughs> For but some for reason, second, my, like, oh my, my Eddie Dar is up today, and I can just <laughs> read. He tried to start off <laughs> logging in and acting like his mic was broken. I could tell he was faking. <laughs> I, I mean, just, <laughs> I am just, yeah, my feelers are up today with the Eddie bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I was like, really? No way. Jonathan I, I something. I can't say I didn't. His name was Brandis. Jonathan. I'm looking. Is yep. he dead? Yeah. In 2003, went went out in pretty awful fashion from what I can read here. I don't want to bring the pod totally down. We don't want to go from youth soccer to, yeah, but it, it's, it's not good. The listeners at home can Google it. Yeah, Sounds give like it a Google. I did not have mm-hmm. ladybugs coming up on my unofficial 40 bingo card today. Well, how could he be mad? He dated in the late 90s Tatiana Ali. That girl was the money in the late 90s from the Fresh Prince. Mm. Yeah, uh, maybe Salil Moonfry, Moonfry as well. Isn't, isn't she uh, same team these days? Oh, that I didn't. Or, know. Aren't the aren't the no? I'm thinking of the two sisters. That's who I'm thinking of. Uh, the sister sister combo. Aren't they lesbians? Oh, oh. you mean uh, Tasha and whatever? Isn't yeah. That Ta- now one of them's married with kids. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe one of them is then. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Mount Maoris, Tia and Tamara. Tia and Tamara. Yeah. yeah, Maori. That's it. That's it. That's it. Good luck segueing into uh, Lincoln Riley taking the LSU job now. <laughs> Boom. Uh, can we, but no, do you guys just know that we did six degrees of Jack A right there? We connected Ladybugs and Sister Sister, both of which involved Jack A. Uh, of 90s fame. I hated Jack A. I didn't I, see the not a, in her Not a all. big fan. Yeah, yeah not a big not fan. Not funny. funny. Uh, okay, so yesterday was weird because it was Lincoln Riley's press conference and it was Lincoln Riley's coaches show and he did not appear <laughs> on either one. And so it had everybody just kind of like, what's going on? Uh, and I don't know if that's what led to all these stupid LSU rumors. Uh, but no, I think that stuff was already out like in the ether, but yes. that just fueled everything yeah. that led into what was a weird Tuesday. Now we are told Lincoln Riley will have a press conference tomorrow. So in, in Baton Rouge or Norman, well, he'll be on zoom. So it could be anyway. It's just like that guy oh, with the no. green screen. That's like on water slides <laughs> and motorcycles and all that stuff. Maybe he'll be a cat tomorrow. Who knows? Oh. He re- they really should just put up a background of like LSU Stadium behind That'd him. That'd be so great. God, no one has funny. that much of a sense of humor at OU, though, to make that happen. Oh, I was thinking guts, oh. but yeah, sense of humor is good, too. <laughs> Lord. So, uh, yeah, it, but so, you know, we talked to Dennis Simmons, and that was weird. Uh, and Alex Grinch revealed pretty much the only thing of note yesterday worth repeating, which is, they kind of expect Woody Washington to play this weekend, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing. 
which was it was pretty funny just like how matter of fact he was when in comparison and Bob, you wrote about it. It was basically a 180 from what Lincoln Riley said on the Big 12 teleconference in regards to Theo Weiss and uh, Woody Washington status. Although we will say that, I mean, we talked about it last week on the on the U40 that Woody was practicing a week ago. So, I mean, it's it's a very positive news uh, on that front. I still don't know if I would go completely all in and say that he's going to play, but I think it is safe to say that we're going to see Woody Washington at some point in November. And if you would have asked me that a month ago, I would have said no way. And yeah, I, this, I think this might be... Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, this might be what Alex Grinch was talking about yesterday with Jalen Redmond being cleared to play compared to actually being someone who can really play. I'm still thinking maybe Woody's cleared to play, but we're not sure if he can do something this weekend or if it's going to have to wait till next weekend. I'm and, and I, you know, he's not wrong. I don't know how this mixes up everything. This key move to Justin Broyles spot and you have Woody and DJ very intriguing to see what happens during the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and are you, you know, uh, kind of, what is it, robbing the rich to give to the poor? Like, um, I like what I saw Key Lawrence the last time he played at corner. And like you said, guys that come back after a long absence, there's some rust there. And there's no guarantee that he's going to be the guy that he was before the injury or the guy that we saw last year. It could take him a couple of games to get back to that level. So, you know, you, you don't have that time. Yeah. I mean, with this sure. schedule, Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, I I would hate that they took Key Lawrence and practice him uh, at, you know, the nickel all all week long and got him out of rhythm of play in that, that corner position because he was damn good. It would give you an opportunity, though, and I, I think that, you know, like the, the, the addition of Woody Washington back at quarterback – allows you to move Billy Bowman back to a, I think, more comfortable position at safety, right? Yeah, but he didn't even play last game. I mean, he was... He was no, that's, it was it like, is, it's true. I mean, yeah, he, he played, but he just played very little. Texas Tech, correct. Yeah, I mean, he was not a factor in the game plan defensively at all. As someone on the beat used to say, a complete non-factor. We miss you, Chris Lincoln. Uh, Every day. Every press conference. I mean, he's not dead. He, he's still around, but I, ju- I do miss him. <laughs> I think you can catch him like Cox Channel 3, like at 11 o'clock at night, doing his sports show from a casino somewhere in Tulsa. And By I watch that damn thing every time. One of the funniest time. characters I've ever come in contact with. He was great. Um, so, uh, it's championship November, um, and Baylor's coming up. And after the the loss to TCU, now I'm starting to wonder, like, is this the easy win of all the three? I know it's in Waco, uh, and I know it's, you know, it's been a tough place for Oklahoma to play, but, I mean, let's face it, last two times they've been there, uh, it's been two of the most memorable, memorable games that any of us have ever covered. There are certain emotions that come with going down to McLean Stadium. It's, it has never, been never the most been there up- during during the day, too. Yeah, the last two trips were night yeah, games. that is true, we're, we're isn't it? I, 2011, yeah. 13, 15, 17, yeah. 19. No, that's, that's, that's 100%. I, I guess I've never even thought about that. I was there during the day for... Uh, no, that was a night game, too. I was going to say I saw uh, Tanner Mordecai play in Wake Midway, but 
that was a night game as well because it was during the playoffs. Uh, I guess that would be a little bit weird. It, Baylor is always like, even going back to the Floyd Casey days with the, uh, the RG three game that was on a Thursday night, it has always kind of delivered kind of the most just craziest, wildest, can't really predict style games. And that was the Thursday uh, night got, game. Like I'm excited. I'm excited about Saturday. It's going to be a good one. I don't think anybody could have, I, it does kind of suck in a way that I don't think any of us expected Chandler Morris to move the ball like they did a week ago up in Fort Worth and beat Baylor. And, uh, you know, as the college football playoff rankings came out, which we can talk about that stupid ass show uh, at some point. But, you know, I, the, it didn't hurt them maybe, I guess, nearly as much as some people thought. And I think it's going to be like, I think Baylor is past the 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 point of saying I, they're a good football team in, in, in which I say, I don't think that they're going to come in and lay down. There's still a lot for them to play for. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. It's a top 15 matchup. Yeah, I think they just didn't know who Chandler Morris really was. And by the time they figured it out, it didn't really matter because Morris was in the groove. He was making plays that, you know, Max just didn't do. And that's, you never know. I mean, we talked about that with Texas Tech. Was Sonny Cummy just going to throw it all over the yard and Alex Grinch was going to have no answers? That wasn't the case, but it was. For Baylor, TCU, the Bears were not ready for what Morris and the Frogs had in store for them. Well, I think it also speaks to the value of a, not that Max Duggan wasn't a a mobile quarterback, but I mean, the reason that Lincoln liked Chandler Morris is because he was accurate. But as we saw from what little we, we did see, he was, he was a really fast mobile guy, more so than I thought coming in, at least compared to everyone else in college. Like, um, and I think that's that's the key for Oklahoma, like with Caleb Williams. Like, what is he going to do with his feet? Uh, and it's probably why Iowa State has not had the year that they've had, because even though Brock Purdy can escape the co- the pocket and move around a little bit, he's not a dynamic playmaker with his feet uh, like you have with the Spencer Sanders or Caleb Williams or even a Chandler Morris. And I think Gary, Gary Jerry Bohannon, I don't know if he's gerrymandering or gerrymandering, uh, I mean, he can he can move pretty well as you know he's along with those guys. Too. Yeah, yeah. He's just not a great he's not thrower. About speed, but he's he's physical. He's not he's not afraid. And the rankings committee did do OU a solid by just moving Baylor down one. And I thought I wasn't sure that was going to work out because Baylor beat BYU. There were no favors, the, Bob. Come on, Cougars wanted to keep moving up. I refuse to Baylor recognize any favors that were done by that idiot committee. We all talk Michigan, Michigan State. That makes no sense. But Baylor dropping one was huge for OU. I didn't watch the show again. I think it's the dumbest fucking thing that we <laughs> do as a society. No, Honestly, it's not. Like, it's... and and you know what's even more dumb? Asking Gary Bart Gary Barted to explain what they're thinking. He sounds like an absolute moron up there. Why do we do that? Why do we make them do this? I know I'm like it's a rhetorical question. It's for television, but <laughs> it's it's just so stupid. I don't get he it. He is perfected and, talking in circles. Like I want to punch myself in the face repeatedly when I see Gary Barda's face. Yeah, I'll well, be honest, I didn't even read the transcript last night when it came out. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> they they always like when they release it, you know, kind of their broad statement is always like 
well, these data points. And then when they kind of ask for some nuance, it's like big, broad generalizations. And you're like, well, well it's also the is it data test. or is it? Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. I, I mean, if it's data, it's data. If it's not, it's not. But it's just, I don't know. Like the Michigan, Michigan State thing, I don't. I don't understand how that happens. Um, you can't have Oregon above Ohio State and then rank Michigan above Michigan State. It 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 completely destroys any system that you have in place. Agreed, especially when Michigan State's loss is far less embarrassing than uh, Oregon's. I mean, yes. like, I, 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 I'd get it if they were fairly comparable. I mean, maybe you have that case, but, I mean, Purdue's a decent football team and Michigan State lost. That's fine. But and I think I, we all know if OU goes and beats Baylor, they're they're moving them way up. But why the hesitancy to keep OU there? Like, uh, like why they're hedging their bets? I have no idea why that is. It's like the Texas Tech game meant nothing, and then all these teams lose in front of the in the committee's eyes. It meant nothing because they gave them no credit for winning that game decisively, as decisively a win as they've had all season. And at the same time say, well, their best win is against uh, Kansas State and Texas Tech. Yeah, and they kicked Texas Tech's ass. And they looked good on both sides of the ball doing it. And yet you did nothing to move them up after that. Uh, and then you have a bye week and all these teams lose and you keep them there. It's just like, OU fans are pissed. And I can, I can understand why because you've done nothing. to. But like if they beat Baylor... The expectation now is if you don't move them in the top four, then you're fucking idiots. Iowa State and Texas Tech are roughly loosely compared to what I think the committee looks at as Wisconsin and Purdue. And those two those two teams are or those four teams are treated drastically different. Iowa State's not even in the top twenty five. That's mind boggling to me. When they have Wisconsin, a win over Oklahoma State. Wisconsin could barely move the football a month ago. And now you people are acting like they're just some kind of... Juggernaut, yeah. I, I, I Which just, is the I, same I really shit they did with it. Ohio it's another State. another one of those things where, I mean, we might as well just pray to the North. Thank God for the Big Ten. Thank God for the football teams up there. Even the one that uh, Jerry Sandusky worked at. It's It's just <laughs> unbelievable to me. It really is. I don't get it. I don't think there's a single I guess I, big... I guess I'm just a Big 12 homer. Well, That's I'm going to say this. I don't think there's a single Big 10 team that can beat, definitely not Georgia, not Alabama, but not even Texas A&M, I don't think. I mean, they're they're walking in circles. Ohio State looked like shit last week against Nebraska. Straight up. Yep. Yeah, nine weeks into the season, too. And OU played him with Spencer Rattler as their quarterback. Again, uh, it just it. <laughs> as much as I hate talking about it, I love talking about it because <laughs> it is just so ridiculous how these the, this committee and you know the talking heads and whatever nationally they just I, they love the idea of thinking some of these Big Ten teams are good. And we sat here last week and told you Michigan State ain't shit, and they went and got their ass kicked by Purdue. Like it is not even close. Purdue is a better football team than Michigan State. Because we were at the OU basketball game, I didn't get to hear what they said about Bama because they were 28-point favorites against Ed, Edo and the Tigers. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if if uh, Max Johnson was worth a damn, they probably would have beat Alabama. I watched most of that second half of that game, and I mean they had multiple opportunities. Yeah, it didn't uh, in the feel red like zone. a fluke either. It felt like they were just better on that night. There's nothing Bama could have done. Like the Bama Guys, thing, like all of that stuff kind of takes care of itself, though, doesn't it, Josh? Like that's why I just I don't overreact. I but at the I same time Bama's I think four. it's really stupid. I think Bama's four if they lose to Georgia. With, With I, I would say, yep. To the yeah, the I, I don't disagree. They're number two, I don't two disagree. right now. We just won. Guys, the interesting question to me is, and I mean, I, again, it's kind of moot because we'll have one more, you know, to use the committee's term, data point to find things out. But if you told me OU goes three and zero in November, Alabama goes undefeated in November, they're eleven and one, OU's twelve and zero, I would bet you money Alabama still ranked ahead of Oklahoma. Bingo. That that yep. that, that is the level. It it doesn't, and I mean. I'm not even one who hates that, guys. I've sat here and talked before about Alabama being 11-1 is better than Cincinnati being 12-0. It's a totally different thing that they're facing week in and week out. I get that. But at some point, there does have to be some credit given for they handled everybody on their schedule. Uh, Cincinnati is... Spitting the bit. I mean, they're they're threatening to lose to really bad teams uh, yeah. week we, after week. We can officially week. stop talking about Cincinnati as a team that's yeah. going to make the playoffs. They're not making it. I right? agree. They're done. I, I, and I don't I, even think they're going undefeated. I think they're going to get beat by SME or Houston. I I don't think even like even if if chaos reigned, I think a one loss Oklahoma team would get in in front of Cincinnati. Here's I, I here's where do. I think it Please. gets weird. I don't think that's crazy. Here's where it could get weird. Uh, as you said, Alabama struggled against LSU. They didn't, I mean, even though the score looks impressive, they didn't blow out Tennessee. Uh, and they lost to A&M. It's not out of the question that Auburn could jump up and, and beat them at the end of the year. Then if Texas A&M wins out and they take, what is it, the West? Uh, yeah. And they play Georgia? I mean... That, and and that they, is they beat Georgia, then you have two SEC teams in right there. <laughs> if no if A&M, if Alabama will lose, A&M wins out, A&M beats Georgia in the SEC championship, which I think is possible. A&M's playing really They're, good football I mean, right I, now. I, you know, none of us are going to say nice things about Texas A&M. They're a fucking good football team. Yep, they, they know not, what they are. I mean, They've since done a Calzada, really good job of steadying the water too with a bunch of injuries. Yeah, and, and especially and I mean, at the quarterback position, like Calzada looked completely lost. Like I watched that Colorado game, uh, and Jimbo Fisher was ready to kill him after every you know possession change. Uh, he is he has become a decent quarterback all of a sudden. He is, but I, I would say he's more of a leader than a good court like when he lowered his shoulder on smoke monday against Alab or excuse me against auburn man that's that, <laughs> that's the stuff that your team will get behind you on like even if you're not sure. very good we respect the hell out of you that you took that shot kid dislocated his shoulder went in replaced it and went back out there like man that's i don't offense defense that's what i mean we that's the stuff we talk about to a different totally different degree with caleb like having that same stuff that people react to. And that's that's what Calzada's doing right now is people are reacting to his play. And I 
like I said, they know who they are. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to, you know, let Calzada do a few things, not get too crazy. Because he's not pulling. Alabama was a rabbit. He pulled that out of his hat. It's not going to happen again. But at the same time, Georgia's running out Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Like, are we giving Georgia some huge advantage? No, they're very mediocre at quarterback, too. So, like, I, there's no reason they can't win that game. Um, that's why I, this but, whole thing is so interesting is because I don't know if I can confidently say that a and is going to go on the road this weekend and win in Oxford. hundred percent. That That's yep. a, cause I mean, guys, what is, what is Ole Miss a great offense? I think one of the few really great offenses in college football this year, what do they have to score to beat Alabama, uh, excuse me, to beat A&M 20, 24, 27. Like, I mean, they don't have to be great defensively, and they don't have to score 40 to win because A&M and unlike is what Alabama, they are. you just don't give up any touchdowns on special teams. Yeah. That A-chain yeah. down is fast. Oh, dude, I got to watch him in high school a few times down here. That that dude is, like, not – he's like that whatever the little notch below Tyreek Hill is, he's that kind of fast. He is insane. Watching him against high school kids was just comedy. Was he a fast seven kid? I think he was. You know I'm terrible with that seven crap. He um, he was out at Fort Ben Marshall. Uh, OU's recruited several guys out there. Uh, you know, and I've talked to, like, A&M doubted him for a long time. He wasn't like a, oh, we're going to take him early and we know we want him. Like, there was, there was some trepidation about him. He wasn't a surefire guy and, you know, has made some huge plays for them this year. All right, just take a little time out here uh, to talk about our good friends at Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com. Big announcement. The 8-Bit Maker Bayfields are back in stock, so uh, go check it out, deadsoxy.com. Use that promo code, BOOMER. Get 20% off your entire order. Uh, you can use it for the 8-Bit Maker Bayfields or some of the other uh, Oklahoma Collection socks that they've got. If you go to Collections College, just pick on Oklahoma. It, there's some OSU stuff there you might see. Just don't pay attention. To that. It, I, actually, you know what? If you are an OSU fan, uh, we'll give you a, a code, Pete, uh, for 20% off. If, if you like listening to the Unofficial 40, which we know some OSU fans do, uh, there's your promo code as well. But OU fans, the State and Stripes Crimson, the 8-Bit Maker Mayfield, Wagon, State Text, uh, or the Crimson 4-Pack, uh, use that promo code, Boomer. Uh, and get 20% off of your order. Thanks to DeadSoxy.com for sponsoring the pod, as always. Uh, and remember, as always, stay Soxy. Regardless of what happens at the SEC, I mean, I, I just, with with this lineup, Oklahoma, I mean, beating Oklahoma State twice, which is, I think, what would have to happen, uh, or how, you know, it's what's, it's what's most likely to play out at this point. Um, I don't, there's no way you could keep Oklahoma out, even if you have two SEC teams. If Oklahoma, if Oklahoma wins out and everything kind of goes, I think, as, uh, you know, as people think it will, OU's going to be in the 2-3 game. I think that's 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 where it's going to be. Which With would be great said, for us, be Arlington. Yeah, and it should be. It should be. Uh, it, against, uh, you know, Ohio State or whoever. I you, That can be left for discussion. I don't know if Ohio – like, I'm at the point right now, and I can't believe that I'm saying this out loud – I don't know if Ohio State goes to Michigan and wins. That's kind of where I'm at. Like that's how. Uh, I just don't think is, right? Michigan is that good. I think I think the Big Ten a has a whole bunch of good teams. Than I think they are. Yeah, they, I I agree with Josh. They've got a lot of good teams. 
I don't know that they have a single great team. Yep. Uh, I don't know if Michigan beats Penn State this week. Guys, I don't know that there's a great team in college football this year. Well, Georgia. There isn't. I, I don't I, – uh, Georgia – like, Just don't remember, that defense, defense is unbelievable. But at some point, they're going to play somebody that's going to make them score some points and do so against the defense with a pulse. Like, I I don't know. Like, uh, Tennessee Tennessee will give them some problems this weekend. I, I promise. Now, hey, can we stop down one for for just one second and say, Josh Heupel, good on you, yeah. man. That thing has yep. gone exponentially better than I thought it would. And he inherited. I bagged on him in this pod. I mean, yep. and he's done great, no doubt. And while we're while we're, you know what? Let's just make it a roundtable as well. Uh, f- you, Dan Mullen. Congratulations <laughs> to our favorite Shane Beamer. <laughs> <sighs> That you was know, the most right. savage uh, social media post I've ever seen oh, a school send out. <laughs> that was pretty good. It was pretty good. Whoever did that, like, has to be. I, I don't know what the um, like what the hiring site is like on you know communications and graphics and that kind of thing. I don't know where they hire themselves and where they ap- apply for new jobs. But that guy has to be the hottest commodity on the market right now for just how in he went on Florida there. That that was. But you got to you got to give Beamer some credit too because he had to okay that shit. Hundred percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. But with what we know of Shane, is that surprising at all? Like, I mean, he no, he's going to seize any opportunity. That's why we yeah. love Shane Beamer. What's amazing to me is the fact that you look, you know, basically, what was it two weeks ago? That same South Carolina team had 15 yards in the. Third through the first three quarters in College Station, I mean maybe that speaks a little bit to uh, what A and M's being able to do on the defensive side of the football. But at the same time, I think it also speaks to just what a train wreck that product is in Gainesville right now. There has never been a, a more seasoned coach that I've ever come across that hurts himself more in press conferences than Dan Mullen has in the last eight months. Is he one of those guys that just doesn't like? He doesn't realize how bad that looks, or is he just one of those guys that doesn't care? Maybe a little bit of both. I, I mean, a question is intelligence, really. Hmm? Well, I don't think you're the crazy. thing that the thing. I mean, we all laughed at him and called him stupid for his comments post Cotton Bowl. The thing that everybody kind of that that I think was real. He basically made it okay that his entire team quit. Like you just set a precedent, like. My my team just left. Like we're, we quit. We didn't care. This game didn't matter. What are you telling your next teams? Like when it goes bad or when it gets rough, just hang it up. Just don't worry about it. Like I I, I think you set a precedent there that's really dangerous. And I I feel like it's coming home now that this team knows they aren't going to do anything meaningful. They're not very good. W- why are we going to go out here and kill ourselves for this guy? It's a little bit. I mean, it's 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 kind of been a lesson for everybody. Uh, going back to to Kleiman, the K State coach, uh, Chris Kleiman, um, you know when he when he tried to tell the media that they needed to be more positive for their kids, uh, and you you know the juxtap- no the juxtaposition of that and Dan Mullen versus the defensive line coach at Texas, uh, like. It, like people aren't stupid, but you get treated stupid all the time. There is a reality in in football 
And it's like no one wants you to see that anymore. And so when you see it, everybody's like shocked. It's you know, it's like the the Luke guy. It, it uh, was it Washington, the coach that you know hit his player Jimmy in the Lake. head, yeah. uh, or Lake. Yeah, Jimmy Lake. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Like I just look at that and I'm like, that's just so shouldn't be a big deal. But I know it's going to be a big deal because people just want everything so sanitized, and it's not reality. Uh, I, I, you know, guys, I get so sick of the, oh, you never played football. You didn't play college football. Like, I don't understand how people can be shocked when they hear things like the Bo Davis video. How do you think football coaches talk when there aren't cameras on? Like, I don't know what, I mean, I'm not saying they all do that, but if you think some mother effers haven't been dropped by the vast majority of college football coaches, you are living in a dream world. I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I, 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 I nothing I mean, but respect. I believe one hundred percent that not only should they give Bo Davis a raise, they should put that on the jumbotron before the game because he obviously gives a damn. And if we know anything about the Texas program, if we know anything about, and we love to joke about him, it's funny and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's college football, and if you don't haven't seen the Bo Davis video and that doesn't like evoke some type of emotion in you, you're the problem. Like those guys in that locker room, if you listen to anything that Sark has said over the last couple of weeks during this four game losing streak for Texas, I, I truly believe he thinks they have a bunch of pussies in that locker room. Well, and, and, and by the way that they played in the second half, it's hard to justify that. And they the, needed to hear that. And the and fact, they kicked the guy off that recorded. Yeah. It. The fact the guy or recorded it right out of town. The guy that recorded it, I mean, that he's on that team shows you they already have a problem in the locker room. That's and also, Davis was talking to and, that and, guy. And also, if you're a teammate of that guy and you're not telling him to either stop recording or don't post that on the internet, like how many bad, you know, just just softies are on that team? It's it, guys. I mean, that's part of Texas's problem, is it not? That is. That singularly is their part of their problem, that they have guys that think it's funny that they went and got embarrassed in the second half in Ames. Yep. I mean, well, they're in the guys, game at halftime. It's 7-3. to three. And yep. they got their ass curb stomped in the second half. For the fourth straight game? I mean, like, this is – at some point, there's got to be some personal pride. Like, we, we right. care. Like, this matters to us. Well, you know, I mean – I know I've been in that situation where a coach has yelled at people after a loss, uh, you know, because there were people laughing on the bus and stuff and having a good time. And, and I distinctly remember when that stuff would happen, like being pissed off at how could these people be. Well, you weren't really pissed off. You were, it was like, yeah, that's those guys. Like they don't take any of this shit seriously. And like you're sitting there stewing and pissed off. Uh, and you just know that you have some guys that aren't all in. Uh, and those are going to be the guys that it doesn't affect, you know, on the bus ride back home. Um, and, and I've been in that situation where a coach has literally stopped the bus and yelled at everybody. Um, I remember hearing a story uh, about a, a baseball coach in Kansas uh, that was a, you know, he coached the Olympic team, was uh, kind of a legendary guy in baseball circles. But he literally, Kansas, when he first took over there, uh, they got their asses kicked, and they everybody. It was the same thing. They're on a bus ride going home. 
he stopped the bus like three miles from the stadium and made them get out and walk walk the rest of the way. I mean, that's just the stuff like that just happens. It's happened throughout the history of sports. You do that nowadays. What? Somebody's not only getting fired, but somebody's going to get sued and then publicly admonished and maybe never work in the sport again. Well, at least in the past. I know 12. we sound all very old talking about this, but I just anybody like that that uh, beat writer. I, he's like a baseball writer. I sent you guys the DM this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh. He was like, "Oh, oh yeah." Guys, it, what would you do if a coach mf'd you? That guy needs to get the shit knocked out of him. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm basically saying that that guy needs to get beat up. He didn't get beat up enough in high school. <laughs> Guys, if, if Texas turns this around, whether it's this season or over the next couple of years and Sark gets it going right, that needs to be their Tim Tebow plaque somewhere on that <laughs> damn campus. Bo Davis's mother effort speech <laughs> where they just have it like memorialized where the players know i mean guys this is what texas has needed for years is somebody to be like you're soft you're pansies like you guys we we've bagged on i mean our board loves to bag on the worm has turned catch story from years ago that's what catch was talking about he he was what he was saying was that for years and years ou was the tough team they would come in and hit Texas in the mouth, those early Mac Brown teams, and Texas would fold. And then somewhere along the line, Texas got some dudes that were willing to hit back. And that's when they, they finally went and won a national championship. And they got, they had some kind of swagger to them. They had some attitude. And then late in Mac Brown, it kind of turned back again. And they've really never gotten it back again. They, they are, there is a soft mentality within that program. Well, I mean, with all that said, I I have greatly enjoyed the last four <laughs> weeks of Texas football. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it, it's been very, very entertaining. Eddie's not trying to win a humanitarian war to here. He he's enjoyed yeah, their like, suffering. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, uh, rivals give me ten more years of it. Rivals do not send out another tweet asking if Texas fans should be concerned. All right, just <sighs> just don't. You shouldn't have sent out that well, first one. Maybe just don't send out any more tweets. Yeah. They've earned that reputation at this point. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, this one uh, from right. our partner. <laughs> We're, we still work for rivals. We're, that's not changing. Um, anyway. Don't give the password to Mike Farrell anymore. Yeah. Just take it away from him. Um, so, awkward pause. What's the difference between an awkward pause and a pregnant pause? A pregnant pause means you could tell something's getting ready to come after it. Awkward pause means you don't know what the is coming after it. Ah, okay. Didn't know. Or thought that would be why, uh, thought that'd be interesting. Yeah. I would say this is a pod of awkward pauses then cuz you just never know where it's going to go. Sure. We started out with ten minutes of seven-year-old soccer talk. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry that I, I was. I thought that was going to come at the end. I, I was not. I, I didn't have it. my notes ready. It was. It was ugly. I will say, like, in just kind of getting this back to uh, you know OU centric football stuff. 
The next month is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, I love going on the road and covering games. Uh, Waco, you know, as we said, Bob, you, I mean, I think it was two of your top five games in, you know, championship November have come down in Waco. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it, I mean, Eddie, it, it, I, I mean, it's, it's a side of one of your most famous, famous moments, which is uh, you forgot who your daddy is. Yeah, that's true. I completely forgot about that. Like, wow. I, I, it it is. Was that that was, that was 20, pre twenty fifteen? No, that's pre twenty fifteen or seventeen. Uh, I thought it was seventeen. Was that 17? Yeah. seventeen? Yep. Because what, was that the first the year McLean night? But it was in September, so when you did it, right, it was still right. the sun sunlight. was still out. Yeah. Yes. Seventeen. Yeah, and then nineteen obviously is the comeback. Uh, you know, I I truly don't know what this like, and I know that we talked about this during the bye week last week, but I truly don't know what to expect. Like, I think that Oklahoma wins uh, the next two weeks. Uh, it's going to be an incredible uh, kind of, you know, I guess, test for Caleb Williams because I still think that there's a bunch of questions as far as, like, what Dave Aranda is going to throw at him, and then you're playing two of the top five defenses in the country. You might have to beat one of those teams twice in Oklahoma State, which, you know, right now, if I had a gun to my head, I'd say that they win the next two weeks and split with OSU. But I just, like, I – the next month of Oklahoma football is going to be fascinating for so many reasons. And I think it's because of what we know about this team, which is not a lot, but at the same time, what it could be. And I think that there's, there's a reason to be excited with some of the guys that are coming back. And you listen to Alex Grinch talk about, you know, getting Jalen Redmond back into the fold. Um, you know, Danny Stutzman and Shane Witter starting to play really well at the linebacker position. They looks like they have an emerging star in Key Lawrence somewhere in the secondary. You don't know where. You just know that he needs to be a part of it. I don't know. I'm 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 pretty jacked up about you know the next thirty five ish days of uh, of what's to come. Yeah. The, what I, what I'm intrigued about is you know seeing the ranking show the last two. I've seen all the OU players tweet their reactions, and what we've seen them is play down their opponent for two months straight. Do they have that next level? Do is is it in them to where this finally wakes them up and okay, we have to do it now or we're never going to do it. Do they have that elite level that they can take their game to on a consistent basis for four straight weeks and shut up everyone who has said anything negative about them through the first nine? Well, here's the thing. Uh, they have never married their defense with Caleb Williams other than maybe the second half of Texas. Um, because Woody Washington's been out for a long time. Redmond's been out for a long time. Uh, then, you know, they were playing lights out with Delarian Turner yell against West Virginia. Then he goes down with his hamstring injury uh, and tries to come back against Texas, goes right back out. Uh, and then finally gets back last, last, not last week, but the week before. Um, and now you get Woody Washington back. You have Jalen Redmond back, who will be better. Uh, Delarian Turner Yale will be better. Like, they now have a chance to play that. We always talk about, your coaches have always talked about complimentary football, where, I mean, against Texas Tech, what did the defense do? Uh, they went out and they got a three and out to start the game. Now, the offense didn't take advantage then, but every other drive that game they scored uh, until the final one when the, the clock ran out. So, if they can get some complimentary football, they can start getting some stops, and Caleb Williams leads that offense like they have, that's the one way that they take the next step. And and they haven't been in this position with a healthy defense to be able to do that. 
Don't you Guys, think in the back of oh. that that coach's room too that they're like, yes, the college football playoff ranking. They play right into oh, like yeah. the mantra of Absolutely. nobody believes in you, nobody. And I don't think that that's going to be the reason why Oklahoma would win three games. But it, from a mentality standpoint, I think it does kind of reinforce the idea like what you guys have put on tape over the first nine games ain't shit. Like it is not good. And as much as the fans want him to go in and crush Baylor and move up to, like, number three, that's not what you want either. You want him to move up to, like, seven after they beat Baylor. I want him to – well, with this committee, they'll probably drop him to 12 if they win by two minutes. Quality loss is the only thing that'll move move them up. (laughs) Actually, what they'll do is they'll keep him the same, but they'll knock Baylor completely out of the top 25. So that's no longer a quality win. They have zero top 25 <laughs> no, wins. That's exactly what would happen. <laughs> they beat Baylor 70 to nothing. Clearly, Baylor wasn't any good. Right. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. I think the coaches look at that, and they're like, okay, we've got something to motivate people with. Because it, it's it's, it's, it, it really is, like, just baffling to me. Not baffling. Uh, it, I think for most people it is, though, like, how hard it is to motivate kids these days and motivate teams these days because you know, this this staff has had a hard time reaching this group for whatever reason and you can you can tell that because Alex Grinch basically comes every Tuesday and says whatever I tried this last week didn't work we know he's got all these analogies all these like things he tries to do and it just it hasn't hit and I get you know for fans they don't understand it you only get 12 of these. 12 Saturdays where you have to be fired up. How in the world for like how does a Kansas happen? Yeah. Them, you're not ready. You're not ready to play. I I'm really interested to see if they do anything. Um you see any real changes that that you know they had two weeks here where I mean obviously some of it was just about getting healthy and you know uh, again the the possibility of Woody Washington coming back. Um you know some of those things but like do we see Shane Witter and Danny Stutzman start to get a lot more snaps? Like, stuff that feels like maybe it's deserved, does that stuff start to come together? Or are they just going to ride whatever the wave has been until, you know, the wave either <laughs> figures itself out or crashes? Because I, I think that's the same thing with Marcus Major. I, I think they're not going to change anything because it's worked so far. And I think Marcus Major would – Add something. Add some physicality to the running room, but you're nine and zero with Brooks and Gray. Let's not tinker with it. Well, and it, it does feel like something happens though in November, and maybe it's just a coincidence that everything kind of matches up and they start playing better football. But it does feel like they take a step up, and I know it's easy to sit here and say that, but. When you look at the track record, and you know Lincoln Riley obviously hasn't lost in November, something does happen, does it not? I mean, I think you said it. They just they they get better they as the season better. goes along. You can't rely yeah. on that. You hope this group isn't just thinking, "Oh, there's magical switch we're going to turn on." Oh, for sure. That's for what sure. we do. Yeah, for and sure. You kind of get that attitude uh, from these week of interviews. Like they just think it's going to happen. Well. I, I mean, to be fair, we've talked to one person. It was Eric Gray, and he talked for uh, two and a half. Last months. week, too. Do I want to be an asshole or not? 
<laughs> Nobody saw that video because they haven't sent stuff like that out in two weeks. So, uh, but it looks like they're working this week. So, congratulations to them. Looking forward to that email. I bet you are. By Gary. the way, uh, yeah, I don't want that email. Um, that again would have to be working. So, we're. Uh, <laughs> Coming up against our Zoom, uh, and Josh, I, I'm sorry to do this to you, but mm-hmm. we have Bob for a finite amount of time here. Uh, it was po- Porter Moser's opener last night. Uh, you got to see... Um, oh, know, the, the basketball guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a basketball yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah. Caleb talking OU, there too, Josh. If we're talking OU basketball, <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta put my mask on. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. Eddie is fine form today. God. <laughs> It really, you guys should see, it's really, everyone in the front row is not wearing masks, and then it's the videographers and the photographers. They're it's the crazy. It's legitimately it's, crazy. It's, it's a crazy really experience. Looking. It is weird. And Has and anybody asked? Has it been justified? Nothing. It's a odd feeling. And then, you know, writers are up in the middle of nowhere. It's it's something for for what reason i still like it just it's it's such a small thing to us bob and i know like nobody cares nobody cares yep but it just it's it's the dumbest thing i've ever it seen makes you life. feel very it's small the, yeah i mean it, it just makes you feel small face. it's and i'm not i don't even want to get started i'm not anti-mask i'm anti the situation of basically being treated like a bunch of idiots when i've done everything right i got them i'm not even going to get into it Porter Moser, seventy-seven fifty-nine victory. It actually twenty-eight twenty-five at halftime. Kind of it, scary. It, it was not the 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 nicest performance, Bob, by any means. But no. Jalen Hill made a couple plays at the beginning of the second half, and you could feel the energy in that building after he did make a couple plays. Thanks to Caleb Williams on the big run, and the rest is history. I'll I'll send it to you. Yeah, I mean, the first half you're waiting for Mo Gibson to do what he did in the exhibition game. It just wasn't happening, and that's what Porter was preaching post game. Your shots aren't falling. You have to figure another way to help the team, and that's why, you know, as much as you want those shots to fall, Porter was happy. It's like it's a teachable moment going forward. It's not the adversity that you expected in the first game, but they had to overcome something, and Jalen Hill with that steal and that coast-to-coast layup, that woke up the entire crowd. It woke up the entire team. It only made the score 30-27, to 27, but there was just a different energy the rest of the way. They finally kicked it in the gear. Northwestern State got tired, and they took control. You know what's weird to me is, um, and I know this is, uh, we're not trying, I'm not trying to start the bag on, you know, media and all that stuff, uh, the media department, but it's like, Every time I hear Porter Moser talk, I'm like, man, that guy, I mean, he gets you jacked up. Like, I know you've been yes. frustrated because you haven't had a lot of media opportunities uh, leading up to the season. but Which I don't think is Porter Moser's fault. I think he would do, he would, if, if we wanted to meet at 2.30 in the morning for a media availability, <laughs> I think go. Porter Moser would be there at 2.25. Bob, you talked about it after the game. It's like, I mean, he literally went directly from the, handshake line and basically ran over to the student section to like thank them. And I like, again, I I hate making this comparison and I hate even saying it this way, but I love long Kruger. 
I, I think what he did with the OU basketball program, he, he kind of restored order and took him to new heights and everything like that. But when you see like the energy that Porter Moser has brought to the program, he's going to fill that place up at some point. It's going to happen know, just I mean, because people are going to support it. And, and that's what he said. It's like, that's what we have to do. And I got to admit, that was the best student section crowd I've seen for a November game in a long, long time. And you hope that, you know, when January comes and football's over, you see the rest of it all packed in, too. But if you can keep those students there in November and December, it's going to pay off in January. And I think that's all he's trying to get through people's heads. It's like, please show up. Please support. I'm going to try to give you a product you're all, you're all going to be proud of. And you can just – it just – I think the thing – it never feels fake with Moser. And I think that was maybe yeah. the concern in April. It's like, oh, he's just putting on a show. You can't just keep doing this every single day. You can't put on a show – every single day until you really mean it. And I think that's starting to really seep through with everyone. This is who this guy is and we should, you know, we should love it, embrace it because man, you know, he's going to do everything in his power to get us to a level that we haven't been in, in quite some time. What'd you make of some of the pieces with this team? I, I'll be completely honest. Like Alton Mason, I, I thought he was going to red shirt. I, 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 and he's wrong. been pretty damn good for, I mean, I he's know that we've quick. only seen an exhibition in a game, but he gets to the rim very well. Yep. Uh, CJ Nolan is kind of a, he's a big, thick body, but I, I kind of like what he has. Like they have some really interesting pieces. I'm kind of interested to see how this whole thing comes together. And you can tell that like somebody like a Jordan Goldwire, he's not going to be a guy that's going to go get you 25 a night, but he's going to be a very steady, very sturdy what you saw at Loyola Chicago type point guard, right? Yeah, I mean, four assists without a turnover and just great decision-making the entire night. And Tanner Groves, that's what you expect from him. And that's the thing. like You feel like this the way they compiled this roster, they checked off a lot of the boxes. It's how quickly does that guy become the role that everyone thought he would be? Does it happen in November, December? Does it happen in conference play? You like the pieces that are there. None of them feel like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how that one's going to work out. It's just how quickly do they all mesh. You almost get the feeling. Guy, like in Big 12 play when they need a bucket. Like I, I, Porter talked about it after the game last night. Yeah. Like who we're, we're trying to find who that guy is. I don't know if I can just sit here and say that Mo Gibson's going to be that guy because he's so streaky. But when he is shooting right. the ball well, he is going to be that guy, right? Yeah, I, I mean, and he said it has to be by committee, and I know sometimes that's not as popular, but I think it'll be that way. It'll be Tanner Groves one night. It'll be Harkless on another. I mean, those are guys that you can trust in those type of moments. I mean, you could always have a year like last year where Austin Reeves just kind of takes over and you just kind of let him decide how things are going to work out, but this seems to be what Mojo wants for this team everyone's going to get their shot and we'll just kind of those guys are going to figure out who they can trust the most in the final five minutes. Josh, you still with us? <laughs> hey, y'all, I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I'm back really now, yeah, I'm back. did leave. No, Son no, of a I bitch. Did. <laughs> I didn't. I'm, I'm going to have my headphones. Oh, no. I lifted the, I lifted the microphone because I was like, I'll end up breathing and it'll just be creepy and weird, which you know, might have worked for the whole basketball stick, but no. Uh, yeah, Bob, you so. should have talked about seven-year-olds for a little bit to get him back into it before. <laughs> Ease me in. Uh, by the way, 11 a.m. 
pause. 11 a.m. <laughs> uh, and I can't think, I mean, for the last recruiting weekend, this is probably the last thing that Lincoln wanted to hear was 11 a.m. Iowa State. Well, they did work with the September ones. They really made the most out of out, uh, out of those. But yeah, that that kind of blows. Yeah, that's that's not the break I they were looking think... for. But there's there's not a ton to do. To officials. Oh. oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's a guy or two they would like to add in. I think it's more tricky with some of the unofficials they would have liked to bring in because I know, um, for example, the the Texas Tech weekend. Devin Campbell almost came up. I'm sure they would have liked to get another another shot at that. I I don't know how well that'll work now. Um, some of the guys like that, that that are regional that could have come up for an unofficial, I think that really hurt your chances there of getting them back up, and that that can sting a little bit. But I don't I don't I mean I, as I think of it, I I don't think of any glaring official that was going to happen this weekend. And I, again, another one that I I saw. Um, Last weekend, Cam Dewberry is another guy that he talked to me uh, after the game about wanting to come back up for an official, uh, come back up to Oklahoma. Now, no, that'd be right because he's doing Texas this weekend. Yeah, he so he's got that weekend available if he can make it work. But it's pretty tough to get to Houston, you know, from Houston, to Oklahoma City before eleven a.m. Well, last week uh, had some technical glitches, and I think. I don't know. I think it was kind of a. I want to say that that was the real kind of the McClellan buzz pod that we were going to talk about. Yeah, it, it's um that it, it's gotten interesting. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I, I feel like I've got a pretty good read on what's happening, but what's happening keeps changing so fast. Um, because it's one of those scenarios where. Chris McClellan is a really, uh, well, well, I mean, you know, my, my intro didn't really talk about who we're discussing here. Chris McClellan, the <laughs> Rivals 250 defensive lineman from Owasso, Oklahoma. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow, I mean, I, nice. I, I did, yeah, I didn't get let in. So, you know, I got to make sure people know who we're talking about. I get in trouble for that sort of thing. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, it started to sound like, well, I guess a month ago, it, it felt like Ohio State was backing away. And that had kind of been rumored since the summer, but it kind of depended on who you talked to, what what day of the week it was, that there was a lot of movement. I, that, that felt like that started to really become clear not that long ago, that Ohio State was just kind of walking away. Um, then you started to hear a talk that maybe Oklahoma was doing the same. And I checked around with a few people, and it was not – a yes, not a no. It, it was just, you know, let, let's kind of see where this goes. Um, my general impression is that there has been, and I've said it so, to some degree on the pod before, there has been a bit of a on-again, off-again thing with Chris McClellan toward Oklahoma. When early in his career, he was so interested in Oklahoma and wanted that offer and really pursued it. And then he got a few and it seemed like, ah, you know, Oklahoma's whatever. And then when they came in and did offer him, they still kind of had to coax him into interest. Well, then in the summer, it felt like, okay, things are finally starting to match up. They kind of make sense here. You had Gentry Williams starting to come down the kind of stretch with Oklahoma 
and Gentry and Chris are buddies, and you, you kind of thought, okay, this this can all start to come together. And then it was just kind of like radio silence. Like I know um, when he left his Oklahoma official visit, everybody I talked to said that visit went well. They felt really good about where OU was. I think that was about the time I put my forecast in for OU and Chris McClellan. And then, I, I mean, I, I can pretty much say it now. There went several weeks where there was no communication between Chris McClellan and Oklahoma. And I, I want to be perfectly clear, it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, it's just, he, he went radio silent and there was no explanation as to why it just kind of happened. So I think at that point, you know, Oklahoma just realizing they've got to do their own thing started, you know, turning some other leaves over and, and going in other directions. And I know was looking at some, some other options and obviously hero canoe is still involved and they're still there. Um, that's kind of a different topic, but with McClellan, it just, it never felt, I, okay. There are guys that can, I, I, it's so, it's, it's, it's so nuanced. There are guys who can play that game. Um, Gentry Williams can go two weeks and not call anybody. And everybody's going to be like, he calls, you know, a couple weeks later. Yep. What's up, Gentry? Like, they're not going to like it, but they know it's a pill they have to swallow. Chris McClellan, is not putting the kind of senior tape together that makes that a you're not forcing anybody's hand there. So I, I think there is something to be said of did he wait a little too long? Maybe. I don't think that decision's been made. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that anything's final or anything along those lines, but I do think it's in question. And so I I, I know this started as one little question. I've gone on for like three minutes here. It's just it's kind of tricky, and I don't think there's a final answer, but I don't know that either side is in love with each other right now. I, I think it's, I've said before, it's why, like a bad high school relationship. Why would they try to make that work? I, I, I guess like from the outside looking in, it, it's, it's kind of one of those situations, and it kind of goes against the argument that Oklahoma never tries with in-state kids because this is an exact example of it almost makes it seem like and I, I hate to put it this way, but it almost makes it seem like they know that this is going to end in a divorce and they're still trying to get married. And that like, I mean, is that, is that unfair to general? No, like that? no. I, and, and I know what you're saying. And there is there, I, I guess I would say there are days it does feel like that. And then there are days when it, it feels like Oklahoma has thrown out the engagement ring out the window as they drive down the highway because they just don't give a crap anymore. Like, and then they have to go <laughs> out there at night with a... Yeah, yeah, and then they, they're out there at night, you know. Yeah, it's like Friday Night Lights, you know, Tim McGraw out there looking for the damn, the ring or whatever. So, I mean, there there is there is that element to it. Like, it really, it, it varies from day to day, and I think there is some relationship to the Hero Canoe situation, and I think there's also some relationship to... Things that we can't know yet, and I know and you can't know yet, like what the portal's going to look like. Does Is it worth it to go after Chris McClellan, who I, no matter how good you think he is, and I think Chris McClellan is extremely talented, but needs to find production. He needs to be producing more than what he's putting on tape. At the same time, again, he's 6'4", 275, and can run. Like, those guys aren't everywhere like that, that. So you can't just write that off. But I think the bigger problem really, I mean, not the tape, not anything else. I think it's been 
the general lukewarm attitude toward Oklahoma. Like, I, I again, you're you're Adrian Peterson. You're you know who name your star player. You get to act like however you want to act. If if you're not, you've got to be real careful. That's a real fine line to walk. And I think at times there has been a again just. McClellan, you know, and whether it was, I, I've heard this from Ohio State sources. I've heard this from Florida sources. Like, it's kind of the same story. Like, he's just kind of off and on. And I, Chris is a great kid. I like Chris a lot. I, I don't know if he's getting bad advice. I don't know if he's getting, uh, if he's just kind of hard to reach on the phone. He's had phone problems. It could be things that are explainable, but go ahead and explain them rather than just letting it hang out there and leaving all these staffs kind of unsure of where they stand. As far as the production on the field goes, I I find it pretty fascinating because I think the one thing that we knew about him as a player was he burst onto the scene kind of out of nowhere. We knew that it was going to be still a little bit of a project in that, you know, and this isn't a hit at the, the, the people at McLean or was it McLean or Addison that he, that he came from. Uh, but we we knew like stepping up into the Owasso program, he was probably going to get a little bit more development wise than he would have at the previous school. Has he struggled at the six A level in that maybe the light hasn't come on as much as we thought, and he's still a little bit of a project. You just needed to get him into the program, and then like you compare that to somebody. And it's almost kind of interesting that you look at what they currently have on the defensive line and the situation that they had to go JUCO and. I don't know if you necessarily want to rely on a Juco because we've kind of seen what has happened with Perry on Winfrey at the same time. Like, I just find that that whole ideology fascinating because it's it's two different kind of, I guess, paths of thinking of taking a chance on, you know, kind of an un, not, I don't want to say unknown, but it's, you know, a very raw talent in a Chris McClellan or trying to kind of wait it out. And maybe you tried to get something out of the portal, which, you know, on the defensive line hasn't been too kind to Oklahoma. There are things, um, and, and I want to start with, I think these are two very different personalities for the player we're, players we're talking about. But there are surrounding scenarios that remind me a lot of Ron Tatum. I, I, I think that's the best way I can mm-hmm. say that. There are... There are things that even if Oklahoma or whoever lands Chris McClellan, it makes me concerned that a year from now he wouldn't be in the portal anyway. And I don't necessarily think that's Chris. I, I, I Again, he's a kid I've known since he was a sophomore. We've talked a lot. He is as nice and genuine a kid, you know, big goofy smile. Like he, he's a good person to be around. Like I, I, I enjoy my time with Chris. But it just feels like there are things he's doing that don't compute with that, like that, that don't add up. And so I, there's somebody talking to him, and I don't know who it is. I'm not going to make that claim. But it just feels like he's getting bad advice. Like he, he's, he's being instructed to do things that don't make sense and that are hurting him. One of the chief among them is continuing to wait. His spots are evaporating. Like, I mean, they are moving away as more and more tape emerges. Anybody, like, Eddie, you know, and, and you kind of touched on it, and I, I kind of didn't answer that part of it. There's no question. He has had some bigger issues at Owasso than he would have had if he stayed at Edison. 
I mean, we, but that's not a huge surprise. Everybody knew Chris McClellan was going to need time to develop. I don't hold that against him. That's fine. Like, that's okay. I, I can live with that. What I do find interesting, Chris McClellan at 275 pounds is playing defensive end at Owasso. How he's not inside, I, like, it makes me wonder, like, it, like, just, does he not like that physicality? Does he not want to play in there? Does he not? I mean, cause, you can say, oh, yeah, Owasso had other good players, and they do. They do. If Chris McClellan is who we think he is from a talent perspective, you figure out where everybody else is going to be. You put him in there and let it uh, – they've, they've got another good one in Michael Jamerson. That, he's a good player as well. You've got the best D-tackle pair, uh, pair in Oklahoma, and it's not even close. So, you know, I, I, it's just – there are things that, again, that I, I just can't make sense of. They don't add up to me. And so I, and, and again, I'm kind of with you, Eddie, in that like I wonder if you, if, if you, if Oklahoma does go down this road or whoever goes down this road, are, are you just signing on for trouble? I, I don't mean trouble like legal or anything like that. He's not that kind of kid, but are you signing up to, well, he was on the roster for a year, you know, we, we had to work with him, we had to push him, and then now, now he's leaving. Like I, it feels like that sort of scenario because it's just what this is the pattern of behavior we've seen from other guys that followed this role. Uh, Bob had to take off. Zooms have started. Uh, we want to get to those here as well. But Josh, just kind of big picture it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of things uh, that you're looking forward to uh, in the recruiting world and uh, things that might be brewing a little bit out there right now. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think the, um, you know, we talked about Chris, um, the Azariah Thomas kid from Niceville, Florida, uh, D, DB, Rivals 100 kid that, um, that visited, took an official to, to Oklahoma for, I don't think it was Texas Tech. I'm going to blank out on the exact weekend, but he, he was here last month and, or was in Norman last month. And I, I get the impression from Florida sources that, while a lot of people thought, oh, he'll he'll flirt with Oklahoma, but he'll eventually end up staying closer to home and go to Gainesville and play at UF, I don't know that I think that's what's going to play out anymore. Just because with it's the firing people. of Todd, yeah. yeah, with the firing of Todd Grantham, I, I think it's it's just going to be tough for that kid who's a very you know kind of a sound kid. He's a good decision maker. Kind of looks at everything. I don't know how he commits to a school and signs on the early period, which is, from my understanding, is his plan with Florida not having a DC in place. Like, how, how do they go and do an in home with him? How do they go and go through all those motions without the primary, you know, I guess element of his future really, I mean, having any decision made there? That, that's a really tough thing. And if the wheels continue to fall off and it gets worse that, Hevesy and Grantham aren't enough to save Dan Mullen, then, you know, all bets are absolutely off. But I, I feel pretty good about my forecast with him. And I, I will say if I would have been on the pod last week, I think I would have answered this differently. So I, it feels like it, he could be another one of those guys that Oklahoma gets in on late and kind of ends up just falling into OU's lap through OU's hard work mixed with some good fortune. All right. Uh, Looks like Eddie has dropped off. He's headed to the Zooms as well. I got to head there myself. But uh, Josh, appreciate it. Eddie, Bob, not here, but we appreciate it. Uh, and uh, it's been a been a fun time listening to John uh, Josh talk about uh, 
Seven-year-old fat kids. The, I, I'm I mean, I'm just going to say, I, I stayed and listened to Bob talk basketball. I talk recruiting, and he just bounces. Whatever, Bob. Whatever. He's never going to hear this. I'm upset. He doesn't seem like someone that goes back and listens to the pod. I think I'm the only one that does of the four of us. Yeah, because we're all here. I I I like to hear myself. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> From today's pod, I don't think anybody's complained that we didn't let you talk enough today. Uh, that's yeah, that's everybody's... a for sure guarantee right there. <laughs> I want the reviews that are like, okay, it's enough, Josh. Now, like, we need some, we need some iTunes reviews. Like, shut him up for a little while. All right, that's gonna do it. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, don't forget, Dead Soxy, your great sponsor. Uh, go check them out. Got the new uh, Oklahoma edition out there. Go, uh, go sign up. Boomer code promo code Boomer get twenty percent off. So, thanks to Dead Soxy. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to Eddie. Thanks to Bob. Uh, until next week, we'll see you again right here on the unofficial forty podcast from SoonerScoop.com.